Hey, before we get to the podcast, we want to share with you an exciting new way you can help support the podcast. Yes, we have finally opened a Patreon account. Go to patreon.com slash 2NJB to check it out. We have four different tiers, and they each allow you to support the podcast at a different level, and you get really cool rewards. So go to patreon.com slash 2NJB and help us continue putting out great content for you. Thank you, guys. This is Eitan Weinstein. And I'm Naor Menninger. And you're listening to Two Nice Jewish Boys. Never a dull day in the Middle East. As Israel is entering another round of elections, Iran is on the brink of getting a new deal which will allow it to become stronger than ever. And as if that's not enough, the entire global economy is threatened by inflation. It is in these delightful circumstances that we invited once again our seasoned guest, Ophir Dayan, to talk about recent events and much, much more. Ophir recently came back from two years in the United States where she was getting a master's degree in international security policy. Five years. Five years in the yeah, United States. Yeah, I also did my bachelor's. Ah, but you did your bachelor's, came back, and then went for no. two years. You yeah. didn't come back. I was just here during COVID. Visit. You were yeah. just here for the podcast. Yeah. Okay. I'm telling you, it's, it's all worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so you got a master's at Columbia University School of International and Public Affairs, and you have a bachelor's degree in political science, also from Columbia University. You're a fierce advocate of the Jewish right to visit the Temple Mount, and you're part of the NGO Beyadenu. And you also are a columnist for the Israel Hayom newspaper. That's true. Wow, a lot of titles. You are a lot of things. Wow, that's, you know, (laughs) like the Middle East, never boring. Never boring, (laughs) never a dull day. Thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you for having me again. It's always a pleasure to be here. So uh, where do we start? Is it what's? Yeah, no, go go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. What's new in Temple Mount? Um, unfortunately, not a lot. Um, and even the things that are new are not as good as one would hope. Um, I think for the last few years, we have been seeing improvements in terms of the numbers of Jews ascending the Temple Mount, the number of Jews understanding the connection between the Temple Mount and their Jewish identity. Um, gladly for me, um, and I think for everyone, these people are not necessarily observant. Uh, when I started ascending, I remember being struck by being, you know, um, pretty much alone um, as a non-observant Jew and uh, not even to mention a non-observant woman. Um, so, so I'm really glad to see, you know, my friends who were doubting me at first and saying, you know, why do you need to go there? It's only the crazy people. And now they're asking me to guide them on the Temple Mount. My friends, my family who were super afraid, um, you know, sending hi from here to my aunt who, you know, for six years refused to ascend a Temple Mount. Even after I took her husband um, and his brother, she was so scared. And one time she came with me. And a few months later, she came back with all her friends from work and I guided all of them um, and their school teachers in Atania, not, you know, um, the typical, you know, what you would imagine a group of settlers storming the Temple Mount. We need to explain, I think, the evangelical Christians or something like that. Or Ben Shapiro. Normal people. 
<laughs> yeah. We need to explain, I think, just to, can you give a small recap of what's the problem? Yeah, the problem is um, largely that after 2,000 years, we have been praying to come back to this specific location. We have no idea how to manage it. In 1967, after Israel liberated it, um, it also decided that we, and it's a quote, we don't need this Vatican. Um, and it handed over civil control to uh, a body called the Islamic Waqf, controlled by Jordan. All its officials are being paid by the Kingdom of Jordan. Um, and they pretty much, you know, set the tone there. So if they see a Jew praying, it offends them. So they tell the Israeli police to go and arrest that person. I even had, um, I think it was three instances of um, Jews who wanted to get married on the Temple Mount, not even with a chuppah or a rabbi or anything like that, just the, the ring part, like the bare necessity, and they were arrested. Uh, one of the couples got even arrested before performing the the heinous act of getting married. They um, searched the groom's pockets and found the ring and arrested him. Um, so, so the issue largely is that um, it's the one place that is most important in Judaism, but Jews are not allowed to pray and worship as they should be, as anyone should be allowed to on the Temple Mount. And my organization, Be a Denu for the Temple Mount, is trying to um, maybe, you know, get us back to normality, to understanding that um, Jews, like any other people, have the right to pray in their holiest site. And when you ascend, you're surrounded by cops and you get we are, um, so violent calls and yes um yes and what's more disturbing to me i think is that there's a complete separation between um muslims on their ha on the one hand and then tourists and jews on the other hand but even um if you're in the um I mean segregation <laughs> lesser um it's you apartheid know there, um yeah. i wouldn't call it apartheid because i think that's like a strong term that um signifies something very specific in the south african context but yes but there are privileged um there is a privileged group the muslims who can enter the Temple Mount in all hours of the day, any play day soccer. of the week, uh, play soccer, uh, enter the Temple Mount from nine out of 10 gates. And there are the Jews and the tourists who are allowed to ascend five hours a day, only um, Sunday to Thursday, no weekends. Although, you know, the, the Saturday, the Sabbath is the holiest day in Judaism, but we're not allowed to enter. And even during the week, only five hours, not allowed to pray. Um, and if that's not enough, that tourists and the Jews are separated so the tourists can roam freely around the compound while Jews are being herded <laughs> for a lack of a better term by police escorted. officers well uh, you know escorted is uh, does not come with walk slowly walk faster um stay Don't in one swaggle. group don't right, you're move. not allowed to yeah, do we're not this. allowed to even like one time I almost got arrested for shivering it was so cold and the policeman thought I was praying <laughs> because I was moving. I was like, dude, I, I, I'm not observant. I, even if I wanted to pray, I didn't know how. So I don't know what you want from me. But um, I have a question. Like, okay, we gave it to the Waqf, but legally the Israeli, it's not ex-territory, right? No, the it's Israeli not an ex-territory. is valid there, right? Yes, the Israeli laws are valid there. So why the Supreme Court doesn't implement the basic freedoms there okay so that's a really good question and and one that was brought before the supreme court 
on many occasions. People appealed to the Supreme Court saying exactly that. And then the Supreme Court said, um, right, in principle, Jews have the right to pray there and they have the right to worship. However, um, in order to prevent violence, the police should, um, with caution, <laughs> exercise its power to maintain public order. But the police abuses that, you know, blank card that it has been given by the courts, unfortunately. So so you think it's not necessarily a bad judgment by the Supreme Court, it's just an abuse by the police? I think it is an abuse by the police, but I also think it's, you know, it's... They didn't go out of their hand, head, hands to... I mean, the yes, police, the in, the, the police in the end th are an enforcer. I, right. So I think the bigger issue is not the courts or the police. I think the bigger issue is that our politicians, our elected officials, don't care enough. And that's a proxy of the people, the voters, not caring enough. And, and that's one of the things that we're trying to do to raise awareness. If people pressure their elected officials and tell them this is an issue we care about, the public officials would um, Why clarify. Why do you expect people to care about it? I expect people to care about it because it's, to me, in, in my view, it's the heart of Judaism. Um, this is the place, you know, I, I always think that Every group of people, every ethnic group has this one place, this one moment in history where they became a people. And, and for the Jews, it's the Temple Mount. There is no you know, question about it. And, you Why? Know, because I, it's the place where Abraham... It's, uh, it's the place of the Binding of Isaac. It's the place, um, you know, it's Mount Moriah. It's the place where both temples stood. But maybe even not less important than that, this is the place where, and think about it, the only place where Jews from all tribes, from all walks of life, for all um, socioeconomic statuses came together during the holidays to worship and not just to worship, to meet each other. To, mingle. To mingle, <laughs> yes. Um, this is the one place where they were all equal. They all besides with the high priest had the same status and this is the one place where during the holidays they could come together with people with jews for, with their brothers and sisters who they wouldn't have met in any other location um and you know when i say that a lot of times people tell me yes but you omit the part the bad parts you know there were you know, there was hatred, there were rebellions and, um, you know, infightings among Jews. And to that, I want to say exactly. Being a people is not only about the good parts. What made us a people, what made us a strong group of people, what held us together through almost 2000 years of diaspora, are not only the good stuff is that we overcame also the hard stuff that happened in this place. And the, the Muslims are really disgracing the place? Yes. So when you ask what's new, um, I actually wanted to say that, but I didn't want to open with that because that's um, a recent development that um, that is been very worrying to us. And um, so recent in recent weeks, uh, we have been seeing a new phenomena of uh, the WACF garbage trucks just like pouring garbage, <laughs> their waste all over the Temple Mount, uh, including, and um, I, I don't know that, but I would assume that um, 
since they are doing it in a very specific place, which is where the whole right in front of the Holy of Holies. I don't think it's an accident that uh, they are dumping it there. Um, so, so in recent weeks, we have been um, in recent conversation, and that's the time you know you need to say a nice word when, when it's due. And uh, the Antiquities Authority of Israel has been very cooperative, and we have been appealing to them and telling them, look, this has been happening, and it shouldn't. Um, unfortunately. Uh, the police and um, Homeland Security Ministry are not very cooperative with them. Um, so, so we try to encourage people to talk to their elected officials, to email the Antiquities Authority, the police, and ask them to stop this. Who, who deters us? Like the Hamas, the PA, Jordan, Iran? Honestly, I think us. Um, I think that um, we have been talking about all these huge threats and existential threats. And if we allow Jews to ascend the Temple Mount on Tisha B'Av, the Middle East is going to burn. And guess what? There was a record being broken this year in Tisha B'Av in terms of the number of Jews who ascended in, in Tisha B'Av to the Temple Mount. Almost um, 2,500 Jews in one day, in five hours. Okay? And... Nothing happened. Yeah, but no one, I think no one um, notices those kind of subtle trends. But the common narrative is, or one of one common narrative in Israel is that the second intifada was kind of ignited by... Why right, go so far? The, by, uh, but, the war. But by Ariel Sharon, who went on to the mount. But that, I think the second intifada was much more deadly and, and, and uh, yeah, devastating the war than the year war. Ago. It was much more devastating to Israel than the war a year ago. Uh, you know what? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. The war a year for, ago. For the long run, I told. Short run. Hundreds we thousands. We had a short intifada a year ago, man. Yeah, yeah, short, no, I, I, dozens of people died. You know what? I agree with you on the short run. Hundreds. Long, long term, I think Noah is absolutely right. What happened here in the mixed cities in Israel for the long run is going to be way more devastating. Um, Perhaps, but either casualty. way, but anyway, I would challenge point. that perception. I would say that okay. Ariel Sharon did not ascend the Temple Mount uh, when the first Intifada broke, or when the 1929 massacre in Hebron took place, or uh, you know the 1936 Arab riots took place. No one's There's saying always that there an excuse. No one's <laughs> saying that there aren't other excuses. There's for, always for, an excuse for Palestinian violence. No one's saying that there aren't other excuses or that there isn't always an excuse, but they're saying that this is a very good excuse. Okay, so everything is a good excuse to kill Jews, and we need to get into our heads that no matter what we do, they... um, We'll find a reason to. They will find a reason to do that, and we can't segregate ourselves into this tiny quarters where we we can allow ourselves to uh to live in and and just allow them to narrow and narrow those quarters until we're pushed into the sea what's going to be the end of it they're going to say okay so everyone's in the um in east jerusalem every jew walking in east jerusalem is offensive and it's a reason to kill jews and then you say okay so no jews in east jerusalem by the way what they did in area a any jew Entering area A is not okay and it's provocative. So Jews, Israeli Jews, not allowed to go into area A is under the Palestinian Authority. So then they will say that about the Temple Mount and then they'll say it about East Jerusalem and then Jerusalem overall. And what's going to be with us? We're going to just 
Um, but if we're going to reset the rules of the game... But no one's, no one's questioning, sorry, no one's questioning that they're going to say it about the rest of Jerusalem. I mean... Now. The boundaries <laughs> haven't moved much. Now. In the, no, since 67. My family used to uh, shop in Azun, which is the uh, Palestinian village next to my house. Um, they used to go there all the time. And now Israelis are not allowed by law to go there because it's a reason to kill Jews. It's, Nobody it's even... A, it's not a territory. It, it is. Ah, that village is a. Yeah. So, and, and my parents never imagined <laughs> that they would never be allowed to enter Azun again. But it happened because someone set a precedent that a Jew walking in Area A is a cause to kill him or her. And we accepted that paradigm. And it was set, and that's it. And I think and that then laws were changed, and now yes, it's illegal. And, to and now, whenever you go, um, and you can see these huge red signs outside of mm -hmm. every village or city that is Area A, saying that um, Jews, uh, that Israelis are not allowed to enter, but you see non-Jewish Israelis go there all the time. It's just another way of saying Jews are not allowed there in the salami system. Mm -hmm. Right, and, and I think it's even irresponsible on an international level, not just in the Israeli context. I think that it sends a message to terrorists everywhere that they can threaten people and they will cave in. Even one of the um, strongest uh, wheel-powered and <laughs> militarily strong countries in the world um, they can just say what they want and we take it for granted. We just do it. We follow their their um, crazy demands. But you're willing to pay a price. I am willing to pay a price. I think that... Like even hundreds of I, de dead Israeli soldiers. Or civilians. And hundreds of civilians. First of, of all, civilians. I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, There's a risk, though. But there is a risk. And I think that if It's you worth the price to you not every price and not every statement i mean there are things that are worth different risks i'll give yeah. you an example from the temple mountain myself um so i you know one of the police officers once um told me that i'm not allowed to sing the um the tikva the israeli national anthem on the temple mount when i was doing it which by the way is illegal to say because there is no law against singing the national anthem anywhere um, and even in the briefings, they say no religious um, worship and Atikva is obviously, you know, a secular song. Um, and the next time I did it, I knew they're going to kick me out and they did. And I couldn't enter the temple mount for more than two months. But I was willing to take that risk because I thought that insisting on my right to do that was more important than the two months that I'm going to be removed from the site or that, you know... Yeah, you took the I'm risk, but 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 when you take the risk of I don't know, conquering in in this is what we're talking about, right? We need to conquer the we, we Temple Mount. We don't need to conquer. We control it. There are Israeli police officers but on the Temple Mount every single day. We need to implement our sovereignty over Temple Mount. Yes. So the price, I think the risk so of not doing it is way higher. Uh, <laughs> could be. I'm not. I'm not saying I'm against it, but I'm saying in the Middle East when you do such a thing. You never know what's the price you're going to pay. 100%. Things escalate so quickly and you can find sure. yourself in an all-out war in the north, in the south, and and it's it'll be too late to, to step back. So you got to presume 
yeah. the worst. I, I agree. I agree. And I think the risk of what's going to happen is worth taking because I think the risk of what will happen if we won't do that is way graver and more probable. Eitan, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, you know my opinion. I, I Generally, I agree with you. I'm, I'm A, playing devil's advocate to push back a bit. And B, there are, I think, nuances which maybe I, I differ. I wonder if... if I guess timing is one of them. Like, do you would you advocate that tomorrow the government uh, implement its sovereignty? What do you over What do you mean by implementing sovereignty? Meaning, pass legislation that Jews can or whatever it is. I don't know if it's legislation or if it's like bylaws or what it is. But like, pass whatever needs to be passed and say Jews are allowed on Temple Mount whenever they want. Have politicians have politicians thing. make you know uh uh like like PR visits to the temple, Matt, like, you know, and just and like you put Jews thousands of cops there to, to and put thousands enforce. of cops to enforce and tell the walk, like, go fuck yourselves. You're here administratively. You can't tell us what to so, do. So, so I think the funny or sad part, <laughs> whatever way you want to look at it, is that there is no law or bylaw saying that we can't be there until the second intifada. The temple mount was opened on Saturdays and Fridays and Jews were allowed to enter pretty much freely. Um, so so who impl who implemented that rule and who enforces it? So the police, the police enforces it. And obviously. the WAC implemented it? Yeah. And and they just gave us a sign and said, you know, we don't want you here. After the second intifada, um, the Temple Mount was closed hermetically for Jews for three years. Um, and when it reopened, it reopened very gradually. And we experienced that graduality that hasn't changed much since. Um, it's ironic that Sharon, who allegedly caused the Intifada, he was the prime minister in the next three years, right? Yeah, so he and was it's the also one ironic who, that Sharon, who built settlements, were you yeah, know was the one to to evacuate them later. I think Sharon is is you know a riddle. It's, my, it's my, not a riddle; he's an opportunist. But okay. Yeah. My, my <laughs> point is, I guess I would advocate gradual change I and, lever you. and leveraging, dr you know, dr like using. Leveraging mo specific moments to implement drastic change. So I think maybe in wartime, it, you know, kind of like we conquered the Golan Heights and, and the territories yeah. during the 67 war, use those moments where everything has already gone to shit <laughs> to take over and say this is it there's Change a new, the there's a new Look, I sheriff think, in town first of all it could be a part of a system of sticks and carrots and and saying you know you started a war and now the stick is that uh jews are going to be allowed more freely into the temple mount definitely um but also i think a more substantial and important statement is that Obviously, you can't do it all in a day and you shouldn't do it all in a day. Um, it should be a gradual change. And even more than me caring about what they are going to think or what they're going to do, I'm thinking of my own people. I think there's going to be, a, you know, there are going to be objections inside my society within Israeli Jewry. Um, saying you shouldn't be doing this. I think there should be a lot of work done um, to get public support before you do anything. I think that nobody is going to object to opening the Temple Mount six or seven hours a day for Jews instead of five. But if you say now, well, on Fridays, um, we open it freely while, you know, hundreds of thousands of Muslims are praying their Friday prayers at the Laksa Mosque. 
that's going to be an issue. I think everything should be gradual. Um, and I don't want to put in risk those Jewish worshipers who would want to go onto the Temple Mount. Yeah, I think there needs to be strict like enforcement of whatever the current rule is and along with gradual change. So I think the idea that that specific politicians are are stopped or you yeah. know um even even delayed in their ascension to the Temple Mount is uh is is just ridiculous. I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. I totally agree with you. So let's talk about Colombia a little bit. So you let's were there for 5 years. So five years. So like we care obviously about your education but uh, even really? more about <laughs> uh, i don't know why what do I you get like, out of it i thought it would be polite oh we get uh, an avid future prime minister maybe or okay. uh, why? why maybe but okay. uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um but even more like the whole Israel situation in the campuses and you were yeah. there during the war actually, right? Or w- yeah. were so you here? I, I was here, but still, you know, leading yeah. my campus group over there. Um, so, it was during COVID, so nobody was like really there. Right. <laughs> but like, did, did you see a trend over those five years in Colombia? Yes, yes. And I'm going to surprise you. I, I don't necessarily think it's a negative trend. Um, I think what I understood during these five years is, and, and I'm not going to say that I changed people's views, you know, I'm, it's not, it's not the case, unfortunately, but I think that I discovered there is a lot to be done, um, that we just don't do because we think it's hopeless to begin with. Um, during my time at Columbia, my group, Students Supporting Israel, we did so many things that we thought were impossible. For example, Colombia decided to host uh, Dr. Mahathir Muhammad, who is the Prime Minister of Malaysia. Um, he calls himself a proud anti-Semite. Um, and Colombia hosted him during the Global Leaders Forum that takes place during the General Assembly. Um, and we mailed, uh, we emailed the, the president of Colombia and we said, you know, we understand this person is coming here in two days. Um, we want you to cancel his appearance, but if you don't, the least you can do is calling out uh, on being an anti-Semite on stage. And and guess what? The moderator actually did. And she went up on stage and said in front of the prime minister and in front of the entire stage and said, this person is an anti-Semite. Unlike Olaf Schulz a few <laughs> days ago. Yes. And and that shows that even the students who, you know, you, you look at us and you see a bunch of students, and but we do have power to change. And I think that's a really important trend. But amongst um, the students. And I, and I think it's the same amongst the students. Look, and my my final semester at Columbia um, in graduate school, I we brought um, with an organization called ITRAC um, to Israel three full buses from um, the, the SIPA School of Columbia, the School of International Public Affairs. 150 students who chose to do their spring break, and they were paying, it was not free. 150 students who came here to Israel and paid a nice amount of money to learn about Jewish history and about their connection to the land. And and it's possible. And you know what? When we asked them before the trip, you know, their top interests in Israel so we can build an itinerary, the conflict was number four. And these are international affairs students. Okay, what I learned is people care less and less about this issue because they see that Israel is so much more... And then, then just a conflict. And 
I think what, that what was number one so if i remember correctly it was history getting and hooked up <laughs> it was history <laughs> and culture oh. and then it was like food and architecture um i was really surprised and and we came here and what they were talking about is uh, wanting to hear more about the sustainability scene in israel you know and and we talked about the conflict through sustainability we brought a representative from an organization that does uh, water conservation and that's the way they connect jordanians and israelis and syrians um through their shared um issues <laughs> with with the lack of water and people were way more interested in that than in hearing someone you know some politician with a tie and suit talk to them about the conflict mm. um so i think there's a really positive trend cool. Very yes, cool. it was very cool. So you left your, like, you on you, a high note. On a high note, you left the yes. uh, those. You um, going back for a PhD? Maybe in the future if I'm bored. <laughs> 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 I'm not bored currently, so we're good. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I really think that we're being very pessimistic for no reason. Um, well, for a good reason, but I, I think mean, maybe it's worse in Harvard. And uh, no, I think that the issue is that we let our pessimism prevent us from even trying sometimes mm. and and there's a lot to be done you know i i think it's a it's a chronic disease with jews where we think that it's all about us but most people don't really care about us their lives revolve around so many other things that are not related to israel or judaism um, my you know fellow students from colombia or brazil or you know even pakistan like <laughs> they have other things to worry about and when you talk to them and you bring them to Israel, um, by the way, one of the students on the trip was a Muslim uh, from India, a very observant Muslim who on his free time went to Al-Aqsa Mosque to pray. And when we went out um, from the Temple Mount the day we all ascended together, um, he showed me pictures of the foundation rock that he took inside the Omar uh, Mosque and uh, the Dome of the Rock. and and. I said, you know, it's it's ironic. I've been here maybe 50 times and I'm not allowed to enter and see that. And he looked at me and said, you know, in full seriousness, he said, you know what? It is ironic. I will pray that one day we can be there together. And wow. that's a person who came on the trip, convinced that Israel is an apartheid state. And, and I'm pretty sure he came to like ruin the trip for other people. Okay. Um, um, and now we're friends and we're talking a lot. Um, and that's very and, cool. Yeah. And I think it's about the people eventually. Um, most of them don't have set opinions, even if they think they do. Okay, I want to get to the spicy stuff. Let's do it. You ready? Yes, Politics. always. Let's do it. So you supported Gidon Saar. I did. In the last elections. So if you guys don't know, Gidon Saar, he basically, he was Likud for decades, and then he quit Likud, took some people with him, formed a party called uh, New Hope. And he declared he's uh, a O and B, only not BB, or not <laughs> o only not BB is the direct. Yeah, I guess it's not. It it works less well in English. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't work in Hebrew yeah, as well. Yeah. Like it's a shitty <laughs> ideology, but okay. Um, and no, but the the initials work. Yeah, yeah. Galab. <laughs> and. And so he joined the, the the change government with Bennett and and what what did you think when he did that move and we, which one starting the the party or joining yeah, the government from the beginning of his uh, look I 
believed and I still believe that the one person in the Israeli Knesset that is most loyal to the values that I grew up on, um, the, the ideology led by my spiritual leader, Zev Jabotinsky, is Gidon Sar. I still believe that. Um, I think that in the name of political survival, he sometimes does not follow the direct ideology that he believes in. And I do not regret supporting him in the first election. Um, I can't vote him for him now because he joined forces with Benny Gantz. And first of all, he has legit communists on his list, uh, like Alon Schuster and people like that. But also because I, I don't trust Gantz to be prime minister. Um, I, Why? I, I um, doubt his ability to, to make, you know, the good decisions that the government needs to make in these critical moments where Iran is going to get a nuclear weapon and the United States is giving a, you know, giving us a prize that it's going to take six months and not two weeks. You know, like, I, I really think we need someone who is more... Um, not just experienced, but more um, able to make those cold-hearted decisions. I don't think that Gantz... But if, but if Gidon uh, Saar is so... has these values, how come he he's, he's now collaborating, running together with the, the complete opposite? It's like I think, very extreme. Uh, yes, move. I think political survival is, you know, very scary for some people. The The... <laughs> the uh, prospect of not being in the next Knesset, like, look, you know, that's what's going to happen to his party, uh, got the best of him. And, and I think that's really unfortunate. I think that's irresponsible. I think that supporting someone like Benny Gantz to be prime minister is is not the right decision. But doesn't maybe, it mean... maybe he's a liar. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe he like, never had those values. Purports to have those look, values. Look, I... But... Gidon Sal is in the political system for a very, very long time. I think he has been very consistent with his values um, so far. Um, but again, I believe in values, not in people. If comes a person that I feel represents my values in a better way, great. Um, but the way you represent values is through actions. Right. And I so think... So if he wasn't running with Benny Gantz this election, I think you would still far, vote for him? I think thus far he represented these values in a very good way. I would say, though, that sitting in the same government with Ram was definitely a breach of those values. And with Meretz? Um, not as much, um, because I think Meretz, in the end of the day... I disagree with them on almost anything, but they define themselves on, as a Zionist party. Um, some, but, most of them. But I mean, the communists on Gantz list bother you. So I mean, the Meretz guys have. Well, to I wouldn't you. vote for Meretz either. <laughs> um, obviously, um, I think I think the issue is sitting with Ram is is again giving a prize to those who support her, and you can't hide it. People who are slated on, on Ram's list visited families of terrorists yeah. and they consulted them. Like, that's not that's but, not legitimate. But I'm trying to understand the line. So you, you, you don't want him to run with someone that's a communist, but afterwards to form a coalition well, with them? Well, you need to form a coalition. You know, that's that's the political game in Israel. I, I think we should change the system, but that's the system you need to but collaborate with. But you don't necessarily with. need communists. Well, you need to collaborate with someone you disagree on. That, yeah, that's but not the political that system. stark of a disagreement. 
Well, I wish it wasn't as targeted as a disagreement, but you know there are communists on Benny Gantz's list. No, is he Gantz, closer to Bibi though than he I, is with I, I think Should he, he is have sat with Bibi? To... Do you not think that is only not Bibi stands? Oh, a hundred percent. So I think, and and I think, and I said it many times uh, publicly and to him that I think that leading with that line of not Bibi, and that's the most important thing, is a ridiculous be not smart c destructive maybe it is smart i maybe it's the only reason he got the votes that he got i don't think so you know i i voted for him for a variety of different reasons and and most of the people i know who voted for him did not they voted for him despite that fact and not because of that fact if they wanted to vote for that fact they had a bunch of other parties to vote for um and i think that leading with that line you can say you know i don't think bibi should be prime minister and that's a completely legitimate stance but making it your leading ideology is is ridiculous and i think by the way eventually also politically unwise and you see that he almost did not push the threshold mm-hmm. before he he joined forces with guns because people don't want the people are tired of hearing about Bibi, even if they like him and if they dislike him, they they just want someone to care about their rising rent. Yeah, but I don't not think, about Bibi. I think him not passing the threshold was less about the fact that he said not Bibi because that he did pass the threshold with that on his ticket the first time around. It's more about the fact that he betrayed his voters. I don't know if betrayed is maybe. I don't, I, I I am. How did he betray his voters? By sitting, sitting with in, a gover- in a government ah, with that's Ram. made up of no, yeah. but it's made up of left wing. I, I, I mean, it was a left wing. I Arab don't like government. the word betrayal on you know anyone. Um, I, I rarely use it, if at all. Um, I do think that the fact that he made not Bibi his lead theme and forgot about almost forgot about all the other things that were so important to him before the election. Yes, it drove out... Evaporated. It evaporated. Like, what about the the judicial system? That was his leading ticket. that I wanted to talk to you about. about Because even in the government... Yes. He became a puppet of the of the system. He for for people who don't know, Saar became the minister of of, uh, judiciary of... Justice. Justice. And... The main thing that he ha- he had he found himself in an extremely powerful, um, you know, crossroads. Once 100%. in in eight every eight years, I think, or seven years, you need to choose a new um, Supreme Court justice. No, not the Supreme Court. The 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 the, uh, the uh, Attorney General. It's, yeah, he's not really Attorney General. Never mind. We talked about he's it. In, also an he's attorney. also an Attorney. He's also yeah, <laughs> Attorney General prosecutor. and the State Prosecutor. Um, and he chose a very very problematic person. Uh, they also chose justices, though, right? Yeah. They also chose. They Look, also I, chose I don't know dozens her. of justice. No, but she she is famously unfit for for the role. She came from nowhere. Nobody knows who she is. And she does everything that the system tells her to to do. We see it now, I think, very vividly. Well, I I would not comment on that because I feel like I don't know her past well enough to judge on that. But I would say that when someone like Gideon Sal leads his entire campaign with, I am going to uh, separate the two roles 
of you know pub, um, state prosecutor and and um, public attorney like and, and you don't do any of it you don't even try you don't do any you just it evaporated after the elections and i think it's sad um i think one thing that was Which really disappointed what what was really disappointed uh, disappointing for me is the fact that he used Cherenskel in a you know I, I think she's an incredible um, um, member of Knesset and he used her um, you know legislation to uh, ease um, medical cannabis um, to get voters and then it was just you know when she proposed it they abandoned her mm -hmm. um, and they let her fight on her own and fail every single time because the coalition did not support her um, and but his promise to break the role of the attorney general to, into two um, that would if it were to be done it would completely change the the system right and he didn't even talk about it so he should have uh, after he was uh, elected well, to the office not voting for him obviously uh, so yeah, that's yeah, one yeah, of yeah. the reasons but i i can't help but think like i i, I if you ask me he he was he's afraid he's deterred he's you know i i don't know maybe uh, maybe not i i don't see another for reason. someone who has almost zero political power we've been talking about him for a very long time <laughs> because yeah because but i do want to i, I want to go back to the, yeah. the spicier stuff okay, okay which is the word it. betrayal which you you seemed a bit like put off by and i wonder why because i think in the jewish context betrayal has a very um specific meaning and it's very clear what you do with traitors um and i think it's a but betrayal doesn't imply traitor well, in the Israeli context, and we when you translate it to Hebrew, it does. It's the same uh, word. It's the same word, bogid. Um, and it's very no, clear you can, what you do uh, you to can, them. But it's also, there's a difference between saying someone bagad and someone bogid. <laughs> you know, because bogid implies that that, that's, that that is the quality that defines that person's I character. I wish people would be <laughs> as, as subtle and as like fine-tuning of every single term like you unfortunately in the israeli context it doesn't work this yeah. way and i think that I, I there think are so. a I lot of that that's true i think I, people are careful with their words and i that's think that's how i experience it and and I, that's I the reason I, I, that's the reason i i avoid using that word and i think there's a lot of uh, other very strong words to describe people, what they did traders betray traders betray but you can be a traitor without being a you can you can betray without you can be being a, a traitor because, not in hebrew <laughs> no you can be a betrayer without being a traitor legally like you can not okay but it's not your, a legal you discussion. can have not have but you cannot have betrayed your country and betrayed your voters yes but in the israeli context and in it's the current up. political system it's very mixed up and i think there's a variety of other ways to describe what they did they deceived their voters they cheated them um they stole their votes betrayal How would you say they treated they they cheated them in hebrew um <laughs> okay but that seems to me a bit a bit um i'm a nuanced person le no letting that is the, what it is. it's not nuanced i think it's letting them off the hook these people committed in my eyes a despicable act i agree they, i totally agree so i just cheating don't think, is not despicable but, but in the israeli context cheating betrayal is, is something is not that despicable right but in the israeli context betrayal is something like 
collaborating with the enemy. And as I don't see Meretz as my enemy. <laughs> But Ram is. And they well, collaborated with Ram. That's true. Yeah, it's a, it's the a problem. The terrorists are my enemy. The members of Knesset are not. Even Ram. Uh, it's, it's, uh, yeah, tough it's, question. it's a tough question. Okay. I think Fair we should enough. get comfortable with the idea that they they betrayed their voters because I think that that's well, what politicians... So far, I'm not, so... I think politicians are, are uh, tasked with one job and one job only, which is to Represent. say they're going to do something and then do that. And that's what representation is, is to listen to you and then do what you said. So if you don't do that, you have, you have fundamentally like torn down the core of your job. Yes. And that's, that's a betrayal. All of that are, it, with the exception <laughs> of the word betrayal, it's exactly what I would say about them. A hundred percent. I just think in the Jewish-Israeli context, betrayal It's interesting because when, when your husband, when a husband or a partner cheats on his wife, in Hebrew, you call it a traitor. Yeah. Right. <laughs> They didn't collaborate with the enemy. Well, true. Not every other woman is an enemy of my wife. But if I slept <laughs> with any woman... I would be a traitor because I, I betrayed the core function of my responsibility. Luckily, Israelis still differentiate between the two terms of like betraying on your wife and betraying yeah. your country. Well, yeah. not all women, though. <laughs> Some well, of them might hang you in that. Uh, well, <laughs> that I don't know. Without, without a trial. Without yeah. a trial. Um, but are you a part of like, what do you, what's your thoughts about the government? Are you opposed to government with Netanyahu? I will say this. I'm not opposed to a government with Netanyahu. I do not think he should be prime minister. I think there are worse things than him being prime minister. Um, I think the world is way more nuanced than this. I don't think it's either he's, you know, a legend, the best thing that ever happened since sliced bread, or he is, you know, a traitor and should be thrown into jail. There's something in between. He might be the better of... You know a few evil <laughs> not two um and i think that you know in my ideal government he wouldn't be prime minister but i understand that you know the world doesn't work this way sometimes the government is not going to be my ideal one and he, he will be prime minister and i recognize that there are um at least one million israeli citizens who want him to be prime minister who am i to tell them that he shouldn't you know if you ask my moral compass yeah he should step aside and clear his name and then come back with a bang and, and, and be prime minister again. And I think he should dedicate his time fully to clearing his name and then coming back for himself, but for Israel as well. Um, don't the million voters say otherwise? I mean, isn't it his yes, but, responsibility uh, but, uh, to uh, Yes, to and be I can disagree with them. Um, I'm not going to tell them what to think. I, I don't think they're immoral. I think... They're just, we don't have the same opinion on this issue. And I ideally would like the prime minister who lead, he's leading my country to be someone who is not being doubted. And no, but I'm saying something else. I'm saying once the, f the facts on the ground are that I have a million votes, isn't it my responsibility yes. as a public figure to 100%. not put aside the country and deal with my political issues? Yes, with, with the exception uh, that the Israeli system is not a personal uh election system so it's not real they chose Likud. yeah but if he were to step aside i mean come on Likud wouldn't get the same amount i'm of not sure i know people who voted Likud and would have preferred someone else from the Likud heading the party 
Um, that, you think if BB that, wasn't heading the Likud, they would get 35, 36 no. mandates? No. So how many left? But I, would, I wouldn't think they would get five. I think there is a margin of people who would still vote Likud. That's even an interesting question. Because then that, that's like the people who voted BB. So how many do you think they are? Who knows? I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> oh, it's a... I'm sure there's a the survey question. on that. No? Like, who would you vote for Likud without BB? Look, he, in the primaries, he he was he, I, last time he ran against Gidon Sal in the primaries. Thirty to seventy, yeah, or something like that. 70. So there's at least thirty percent of the Likud who preferred Gidon Sal to Benjamin Netanyahu. Okay, so even so, if we get, go safe and we say fifty percent, so it's half a well, million, six hundred thousand, seven hundred thousand people. And in in yeah and. You know, it's almost fifty percent of the people who are voting for this party. Yeah. So, so that's not a negligible number of people. No, absolutely. And that was only Gidon Sal. There are people who maybe wanted Nir Barakat or Yuli Edelstein or I don't know, God forbid, Israel Katz. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think I, what I'm saying, I guess, is if it's six, seven hundred people, then like as an individual, if you 000. carry what? Oh. No, not a hundred thousand. He has a responsibility to them. A hundred percent. I just don't think that that's the reason that he's staying. Oh, okay. Okay. So fair enough. And I think his responsibility as a prime minister. There's two things: as a head of party, and he's responsible for his voters. A hundred percent. But when you're a prime minister, you don't only represent your voters. You represent an entire country, and for the sake of this country, I think he has a bigger responsibility, and that's clearing his name and not dragging Israel into this mud fight with um, the international scene, the international media, and making Israel look like a banana republic. But I think he looks at it... I mean, I differ there because... Well, he obviously I, doesn't I don't see it know, the same way. I won't, get it, I won't go into his motivations, but I can clearly see that... I mean, I can clearly say that it's a very high likelihood that the way he sees things is that if he's not leading the country, things are much worse off okay yes i i i believe that that's what he believes not necessarily what i believe <laughs> okay <laughs> would Fair you enough. like i won't ask you who you're gonna vote for but would you well share you can with, i don't know you don't okay, so that's what i want to ask like can you share with us like your main it's just interesting the the dilemma well i wish i had a dilemma i really honestly like i Look, it's really hard for me to say. I, There's no one to vote I'm for. I'm a member of Likud for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, I voted in the primaries. You know, I, I would have preferred Gidon to stay in the Likud instead of running separately if he was elected to lead the Likud. Um, that did not happen. <laughs> um, I, I can't hide that I struggle with the current people in the Likud. Um, and... and I think some of them are not representing what the Likud should be. Uh, when you say the Likud is a national liberal party and there are members of Knesset in the Likud who want to ban parts of the internet and and give subsidies to people to have as many children as they can, like that's not a liberal party. When you're, you object gay marriage, you are not liberal. <laughs> and, and, and to me, it's an issue. They're also very uh, not quite a few liberals in the list a hundred percent and i think that's a, a very good you know that's good news the fact that amir yeah. ohana is number five on the list is a very good news for the liberals yeah okay 
So you came back. And I'm just going to summarize. Yeah. I wish that one day I would be 100% comfortable voting Likud, that it would once again be the National Liberal Party uh, mm-hmm. with people who are truly national and liberal. And I don't think it contradicts each other. I think we're all going to compromise. 100% we um, are. It's inevitable. I was just texting Aitan today <laughs> but about another party he was considering. You can say. Uh, yeah, the Hatsiyonuta Datit, Smotrich. He was, uh, con- he was considering, contemplating. We talked about it, and they had primaries now. And the guy who came first place, Sofir Sofer, uh, he's famously a lobbyist for, for, the, for the agricultural lobby. Uh, so he's against, uh, yeah. you know, importing vegetables lowering and fruits customs. and, yeah, lowering costumes. So I sent a, a, a tweet about it to eight, and I was like, oh, well, you can cross hmm. them off your list. <laughs> Yeah, so also cross Shaked, who like well I, I don't think she was on your list to begin with. Yeah, but like, now she was, she was on my list. She was in last place, <laughs> <laughs> but only because Bennett wasn't there. Um, I, I voted Bennett. That's why I have the. Uh, you know, I, I totally get the, it. You know, and I if I was a Bennett voter who her you know he's like one sole promise was not to sit in a government with Rom. I would freak out. Yeah. But uh, but I do think that in the end, I mean, you sent me that text. In the end, you have to, like you said. Compromise. You, you ha- like, there's yeah. nobody that I'm going to vote for that I'm going to be. And that's a... a, a yeah, it's for like the legal a, Smutrich. That's, you yeah. know, a <laughs> compromise. But he is. He is rather liberal. I think, I mean, at least, you know, if I go according to what he says. Um, which is a risk. By someone so very is. smart said 30 minutes ago that you go by what you do, not what you say. Yeah. But, you know, he hasn't had too many opportunities. I mean, to yeah. prove himself in those areas. I actually arenas. like him, but yeah. But, but what I'm saying is, like, a lot, of, a lot of Israelis and generally a lot of people try and stand behind. They pick a person and then they try and stand behind everything that that person does. Or they try and stand behind even an ideology. And I think it's just, you know, you have to make a priority list. Decide what's 100%. most important. 100%. You need to feed that with reality. I yeah. grew up in Beitar. We sing two banks to the Jordan River. Both of them are ours. I'm not going to storm into Transjordan tomorrow morning and conquer a month. Actually, that's not... Not a bad idea. <laughs> I think we would handle it better. But in the end of the day, you know, I, I can say that's a vision. That's a dream. It's incompatible with reality. So I'm not going to advocate for it. Currently. Currently. <laughs> Still going to sing this song, though. Uh, yeah, you know, of it's course. Great it's a song. nice song. <laughs> Very nice song. <laughs> So uh, your uh, NGO, Beyadenu, Beyadenu, can um, people donate to the cause? Of course they can donate. They can donate by a standing order. They can do a one-time donation. We even have beat and it's, wait for it, fully tax deductible in Israel and the US. And the US. And the US. So you can go to Beyadenu, Google us and um, you can donate. There's a link on our Facebook page, on our Instagram page, on our Twitter. Um, and not less important. First, of all, donate. Okay. First of all, donate. But second of all, after you donate, we also uh, give free tours of the Temple Mount, mm. um, free of charge, completely, um, in Hebrew, in English, sometimes in French. So um, there's a link there also, and you can just reserve a tour. How much in advance you need to? Whenever you want. We have guides there every single day. Okay. Very cool. Very awesome. 
And you're on social media. Yes, and you should follow me, not just be a Denu. Yeah. Um, so Ophelia94 on Instagram and Twitter. Ophelia with an F. With an F. Yes. yes. PH is like, who are you? <laughs> it's despicable, yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> okay, anything else we need to plug? No, um, I think we're good. Okay. Uh, so thank you so much for coming. Thank you for so having me fun. again. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, thank you. And happy you're back in Israel. Me too. Um, guys, uh, we opened a Patreon, so go to patreon.com slash 2NJB. Uh, and help us out rate us five stars on spotify follow us on youtube to see us tell all your friends about us yes friends family, family. yeah and family too and just like random people on the street random oh people yes hold signs up for sure and that is it thank you so much thank you thank you bye guys bye <laughs>